Today's episode of the At Betches podcast is brought to you by Heineken Zero Zero. Zero point zero percent alcohol and only 69 calories. Now you can. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Please enjoy Heineken responsibly. Today's bonus episode is a special recording of When's Happy Hour and Power Hour presented by Heineken Zero Zero. Sammy, Eileen, and I sat down in front of a live audience at the Glass Ceiling Rooftop in New York City, along with moderator Anne Choquette, author of The Big Life and the former editor-in-chief of Seventeen Magazine. Honestly, this was such a great conversation to have, and I feel like there's a lot of really useful tips in there, so I'm really excited for you guys to listen. So without further ado, here's the When's Happy Hour and Power Hour presented by Heineken Zero Zero. Betches Media presents At Betches, a podcast hosted by Betches co-founders Aileen Drexler, Jordana Abraham, and Sammy Sage. Before they were business partners, they were close friends who've known each other since elementary school. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. Get to know the women who've been making us laugh since 2011. Who allowed you to take my breath away? This is At Betches. This is going to be just like senior year, except for funner. Are we ready for an hour hour? Um, we're going to talk about all things professional this evening. We're going to talk about how to get you the job you want, the career you want, the big life you want. Let's get started. Amazing ladies. I just want to say we're really excited to be here. We want to thank Heineken Zero Zero for helping us put on this show, this bonus episode, and Heineken Zero Zero. So... Cannot wait to have a show with you, Anne. All right, all right. All of these amazing women who are here today, and these amazing women that I have on the couch with me, have all created a place in the world that works for you, which is not easy because basically the world wants you to fall in line, to fit into some existing way of the way things should be, to follow the rules, to sit still and wait to get promoted in the world. That is not how it works for you. That is not how you all want it to work for you. Um, So let's start, Sammy. How do you get started in the world? Well, you're born. (laughs) The the, the big world. Yeah. So I think it obviously depends on where a person is coming from. Obviously, everybody sort of comes with a different level of access, level of resources, financial you know, financial stability, and so obviously that varies, I think, depending on, you know, the level of privilege of where somebody is coming from, but ultimately, I think that there's one thing that I think a lot about for kind of guiding people towards what direction they want to go in, and it doesn't mean you have to go and, you know, achieve what you ultimately want on day one, but I think the place to sort of help you get started and know what direction you're going to go into is to sort of look at three things. And I think those three things are, one is what are you good at, two is what are you interested in, and three is, of those things, what is missing? And how can, is this something that you, with your skills and your interests, and potentially your resources, um, can work towards achieving or work towards filling that gap that exists? Um, and again, it's not like, you know, not everyone can, you know, go and start that company immediately, I think there's steps that are required in building your skills. Entrepreneurship is hard. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love I love those three questions that you ask yourself. What is the what is missing in the world that you can provide? I think that's where the the special sauce 
comes in, right? It's, it's yeah. like how do you carve out a space in the world that you can fit into? What's yeah. Um, do you want to talk about a little bit about like how you find your passion in the world? How do you get started finding your passion in the world? Yeah, I think that to be an entrepreneur, to start a business, um, I mean, obviously, what Sandy says is like to find that what's missing, but also you can have something that's there, but you think that you can do it better. That's also another route to take. But um, once you have that, once you have your idea, what do you do next? Um, first off, I think that it's really important to have a mission that you really believe in. Like, you can have this idea about something that you like feel disconnected to you, that, you know, why would you keep doing that, you know? So something that you really feel that you believe in. What is your mission? Our mission? Yeah, no, your, your personal mission. <laughs> no, I want to create a space for women to get real and talk about life and make it funny. That's what we're doing here. And to, you know, just to help each other. We're living your mission. We're living our mission, yeah. Um, and also, just like, so you create your mission, but it's really important to set very challenging goals. Not unreasonable goals, but challenging ones. Because, you know, if they're easy, you're just going to get them. And then what? Um, and then always keep moving forward. Because, you know, it's really important to celebrate those wins that you have, those small successes. But, like, you really need to be planning ahead. You like to at least have a year planned, um, at least. And, um, and don't resist change because there's always gonna, for us in social media there's always change. It's a changing landscape. You cannot resist it. You can't stay stagnant. And um, yeah, just keep going. Will you go back and talk about that year planning because I think that when you're I'm I'm, I'm not happy to. a planner, right? Yeah. I really not. I never had a five year plan. Um, I didn't find my passion in my first or second or really you know my third job. Yeah. And. Um, the idea of having a plan really like same. I also just didn't know how to do it, right? right? And so I'm so interested in talking about having a plan. Could you fill us in on like do you sit down with yeah. like, you have your own like personal board of advisors and you make a you make a strategic plan together? Like how does it work? That's changed a lot over time. We've been doing this for eleven years and we've never had any outside investors, so we kind of had to lead our own way. Um, in the beginning, yeah, we were kind of the same boat, like, what's the plan? <laughs> I know what I'm doing next week, and that's just about it. But over time, it comes with professional maturity, I'm sure as you also experienced, um, that it's really important to look to, you can have a five, you can have a five-year plan, that's crazy. The world changes in just one year. I think a five-year, three-year vision, five-year vision is important. Maybe a one-year executable plan is, and just, and also expect that if nothing will go to plan, <laughs> so like be willing to change, be willing to pivot, and expect mistakes. Like that's just part of it. The experience is not always up, there's ups and downs, and um, you know, for us I think like, we don't really like to talk about failures at all, it's really just reframing the idea of failure as like a setback. Because it's just part of the process. Well, it's part of I don't believe in failure either. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. It's just part of the process. Yeah. It's part of the process. It didn't work. That didn't work. Okay. Yeah. Let's go do this. Keep thing. going. Don't make that same mistake twice. Yes. And also finding um, opportunities in a lot of your setbacks. I think that's uh, a skill that you can 
figure out and still be self-aware, right? Recognize the things you could have done better, places yeah, that you, you know, you need to work on in some professional development. That's how you keep going forward. So you have to keep improving. You have to keep, you have to be, you know, open to feedback and just keep evolving. Um, I love what you were saying about pivoting, right? Because it sounds it sounds so purposeful, right? That you are pivoting from one kind of a career to another. But really what it is, is finding the thing that you're more interested in and finding the space in the world that fits you or the problem that you know that you can solve um, and not asking for anybody else's permission to do that. That's so important. Um, Jordana, I want to talk to you a little bit about pivoting because, um, and finding your passion. Because you and I were saying just before you didn't know that you wanted to start a media company. This was not the thing that you went to school for. Um, do you have some advice for this audience about how you find your passion and then give it to the thing that matters to you? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of a lot of kids in college don't know what they want to do in their life. I think that's more common than it is. I feel like people are usually really lucky if they go to school and they're like, I know exactly what I was meant to do. I think that sort of overestimated, um, but it's such a great opportunity to be in college, or even in your early 20s, when you, when you have your first job out of college, that doesn't mean that that needs to be your job for the rest of your life, like, the beauty of being young and, like, not necessarily having, like, a family yet or a ton of responsibilities is being able to try things out and say, okay, what did I, what did I like about this job, what, what about it made you really happy, what about it made you really motivated, and what about it doesn't feel right or doesn't feel good, um, you know, I, I work on a dating podcast, so I like to relate everything back to dating. Oh, me too. <laughs> it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like when you're dating. Like, you, you meet someone, and, you know, maybe they don't wind up being your husband, but you, you go on a few days and say, what did I like about this experience with this person? What am I looking for different in the next person? I think you approach your jobs in the same way, especially if you start early. That's just the best way to figure out exactly the right job that would be perfect for you and your particular skill set and your particular interests. Um, I love that you think of everything like dating. I think that absolutely that's right. I want to get back to dating in a second, but there was one other thing that you said which really resonated with me is um, when you're in your early job, it doesn't have to be your dream job, but you have to be this, right? You, that you, you said it also, I mean, that um, the, a lot of people come from different backgrounds, right? And there's people, there are people in the room who will have greater privilege than you and less privilege than you. And um, there's tremendous value in getting a job, any job, and learning how to be a girls. That's my entire chapter of my book. Get a job, any job is my, is my classic for your first step. Yeah, and I think even in a job you absolutely hate, you're probably picking up skills that even if you think it's pointless and everything you're doing is, you know, worthless or whatever. Probably are picking up skills that you don't even necessarily realize might be really helpful here. Like learning how to work with difficult people who demand more than you than you think you should have to give kinds of things. Yeah, you will always encounter those people for the rest of your life. Learning how to learning what kind of people work you work well with, right? I would not work well with the same person's name inside. Yes, absolutely. Okay, now back to dating. Um, I want to talk about once you get the job, negotiating. Because I suspect that there's a little bit of like 
negotiation in dating as well. Can you draw that conclusion? Talk to me about how you can think of negotiating as if it were dating. Okay. Um, I mean, I think it's about, I guess it's a lot about knowing your work. There's a lot of the, yes. the same overlaps and the same similarities. It's like knowing what you bring to the company and like framing your argument for how much you should make in terms of the value that you're bringing to the company, not making about your own personal preferences or anything else. But if you sort of display to whoever you're talking to or whoever you're negotiating with and saying, this is, you know, this is how I'm going to make your company um, have a higher value. This is how I'm going to help you get to achieve your goals. Then it, in the employer's mind, you're thinking, okay, this is someone that I, I need in my business. And also just the idea I think this is true when you're interviewing or anything. Just the idea that you can you have to go into it confident that you do have those skills and that you feel really good about them and that this is something that you're you're excited to be there, but you don't you're not like desperate to be there. Kind of right. in the same in the same vein as, as dating. And I think it also shows you their offer shows how they feel about you, right? You want to you want you want to say put your cards on the table. Are we a thing? <laughs> is this happening? Um, I think absolutely right. I think negotiating is one of those conversations that feels so disconnected, right? You start thinking about the money, the money you want, the money you need, the money you know you deserve, the money that you that you like, spend in all sorts of amazing ways, right? And I think that um, coming into those conversations prepared, well researched, uh, is incredibly important and understanding that it that it's a back and forth and that you need to negotiate right i think that that's even the first in the first right. is the first instance is recognizing that um, we're going to negotiate here totally and always asking you get to bring it back to always asking for what you want because the worst thing that can happen is either the person says no and if you want the job badly enough you take it anyway um or you find a job that's a better match for you the person's never going to value you in the way that you see yourself valued. To take it is, is kind of bad for both of you because then you're resentful that you, you know, you're doing this thing and you don't feel like you're, you're paying the right amount for it. And then they are also like thinking they're getting someone who's excited to be there. And that's the surefire way to know that you will end up getting divorced. <laughs> resentment, resentment, uh, breakup. I feel like it's you want it's a uh, it's marriage, it's a partnership, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. See, I knew we could do it. I know I stumped you, but I knew we could do it. No, we like to say we're you know three of us are we have we're we're married three person marriage here. Exactly. That's why it was a yeah. strong. Exactly. I love that. I love it. All right. Well then, let's talk about the work life balance in your in your marriage here in your relationships. Um, I uh, Sam, you want to start with you? Do I have an answer? That's why. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I think we're in a little bit of a unique situation. Um, just with the way I work, I do like a nice podcast, so I don't have really set hours. But because of that, I sort of learned to accept that, like, if I if I want to take some time at eleven a.m., that's the flip side of having to do a podcast every night. So I feel like I've just sort of um, really worked to sort of carve out time for myself when I can, where I'm not working, and yeah, I think sort of being afraid to say, I am shutting off right. And do you have, tell me now. <laughs> I just want to know, this is what I need to know. 
Because my phone, even when I'm like, I don't know, my phone still comes into my hand and I find myself answering the calls. No, I don't. I don't stop my phone at all. I just use my phone for other things. And are you good at drawing those boundaries? Yeah. I, yeah. Am I? I don't know. You saw This is relationship. This is relationship therapy. Honestly, if I'm not, like, I don't believe them answering. You know, I don't ask that other people. No, it's mean that our yeah. relationship work and life and friendship is taxing, like, it's blurred lines for us. So we're, you know, she, whenever she texts me about something she read on Reddit, I have to ask, is this for work or is this more like us? It's <laughs> <laughs> all of the above. So that's just what I mean by that. So you're in a new cat stage of life with a new baby. Yes. How does that, how does work and life and baby fit together? Um. It's, I mean, it's, it's sort of the same. I just have another priority, <laughs> um, a new priority, and sleep. It's, well, sleep and, like, spending time with my kid is one of them. Um, I'm now sleeping. <laughs> yes. Um, cheers. Thank you. And um, for me, it's, I, I've learned over time, like, when I feel, like, what the same, we were talking about this the other day, like, she, or on a podcast, actually, she, she works she gets into good flow at night, and I'm not a night person. I need to shut off. I can't do good work at night. I'm very much morning person. So I've learned that over time. So I've just kind of blocked my calendar off in ways that allow me to relax in certain areas of the afternoon or have lunch or whatever. And then I physically, because like we work from home um, hybrid now, but I have to physically close my computer to signal that Okay, now I'm hanging out with my kid, and I don't have to like look at an email for the next thirty minutes. <laughs> so that's that's kind of how I'm navigating it now. But it's really new. Are you able to find time for yourself for a time that yeah. isn't as a mother that isn't as a boss? We're working on it. Yeah, um, yeah. you just find, like it's the there is time. It's hard to prioritize yourself. So like that's that's the that's the part that's hard. It's like, I'll say, okay, I have an hour. What should I do? Like, and then oftentimes I will not choose, like, let it down. <laughs> you know, like, that's not what I choose, but we're working on it. All right, good. Yeah. Your dad has talked to me about work-life balance. So how do you, so like, tell me some, like, hard and fast tips. Um, I think it's funny because it's like, I don't think that there's, like, a universal tip. In, in the sense that I think everyone works differently, and everyone like maybe just like the way they just said, like Sammy works better at night, works better, um, you know, in the morning, and like what recharges me isn't going to necessarily recharge someone else. Like I like a, a nice like walk between meetings to sort of clear my head, almost like a palate cleanser. Like, uh, um, that, you know what I mean? That could be it's a, if I have a, a a business meeting and then I have a um, a podcast. Those are totally different, like, brain spaces. So I like to take a walk to sort of, um, like, clear my head before before going into the next thing. That's the thing that I think that everyone should do that. Because it's really, like, what what gives you more energy? For some people, that's, like, talking to people. For me, that's not talking to anyone. Um, so I really think it's, like, everyone should figure that out for themselves. What makes them feel like they're actually having a break is that meditation is it walking the workout class? Is it just like literally taking five minutes and just not doing anything? Like I think that's so personal. What are you listening to on your walks? Are you doing like music or listening to books? 
Um, I'm listening to podcasts before the diet starts tomorrow. Like, <laughs> saying and talk to each other. Um, or I'm listening to True Crime. Okay, nice. I love that. Um, the world has really changed. Work-life balance, our last two years, there is no separation. I actually think that even to say work-life balance is, like, it is a sham. It's, com- it's a complete lie. And our life and our work is all, and, and I'm trying to find personal time is all piled up on top of each other. Um, even people used to talk about like, work-life integration. Like, I just don't think, I don't think that's doable. I love this idea of, not having a schedule of planning time for yourself, of recognizing that other people, especially when you're bosses, that other people will think about work and life differently and the flexibility. Um, for one second, I just want to talk about this idea that the way that you are working, the company you are leading, is changing the way business works. That the um, this It feels very old to me to say work-life balance. And... Um, this idea of flexibility and transparency and understanding, right, is that you that you don't phone someone from like morning till nine o'clock at night who works for you is a really important substantive change when it comes to work life balance. So not I don't even know what the new word is. I actually think that the thing is finding work that feels like living, right? That feels like you feel passionate about it, you want to do it, you don't care, you're not watching the even just watching you together and the way that you've melted your personal life, your personalities, um, is a real inspiration right, for everybody here to have a goal to work towards. Thank you. I mean, to just to your point, we've long sort of thought that um, the concept of work life balance is sort of bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ultimately, this, our society is not set up that way. And like, we, although we have an amazing company, we are not. Google and we're not Facebook, so we're not really setting the standard for how companies are functioning, you know, so if, if we're not able to really, like, lay that down that standard in the same way. But at the same time, I think that um, we have been lucky enough to, like you said, integrate our life with our work, but I think that's not really realistic for most people, um, and for that reason, I think there need to be some sort of boundaries that either, like, companies are are you know putting in their policies that they're putting in place, or employees? I think need to put them up in some situations where you know where they feel they're welcome to for themselves. You don't think that employees? I'm interested in hearing you say that it's not realistic. You don't think that employers want people to feel like they're engaged, or they're just falling short. Well, I think or the people are like never going to. You need to like have a couple. You need to date a couple of bad jobs before you find the one that you're going to. I think it depends on the employer, and honestly, I think you did companies with the best intentions. Like, you're creating a policy that's supposed to fit everybody, and, you know, that's not possible to agree people, let alone, like, 100. So, I think that, I think, yes, many companies really do want to create that for their employees, but not that, I would not say that that is across the board, that employee engagement is a priority. And in a lot of cases, I think there's a lot of lip service to how much they care about employee engagement and that probably is built into some business models like is that important for us it's incredibly important because we're a creative content company and we really want our employees to be happy but that's not necessarily supposed to be a priority for everyone people are 
adults, you know, they I think they want to feel like they're valued but also trusted and that they're not, you know, that someone's not monitoring their screen. I think that's sort of like the worst feeling, like I'm just a, you know, I'm just here to be like babysat. And I think that if people feel a sense of autonomy and pride in their work, then you know, I think that's kind of like the guiding. Amen. Like, Amen to that. All right. So we're gonna move along to imagining if we were hiring some folks. We're gonna play a game. Connected or rejected. <laughs> All right, so here's how it's gonna work. I'm gonna name some different resume interviewing scenarios. And we're voting, yeah, you say, you say you're either connected, yay, you get the job, rejected. All right, now, let's start down here, Jordana. A candidate's resume has multiple typos. Um, is is are the type? Is it one type? One typo, multiple. Okay. I'm, I mean, I'd probably be out. But if I'm going to be, if I'm going to give my a true story, I said when I was in college, I applied to a job at Nielsen, and I spelled the company name wrong every single time. I wrote it. Um, Did you get the job? No, I didn't have to do that. So I, I've been there, but like, you know, that was I was younger, and I think since then I've... Would you have hired you? I probably would not have hired me. Either. I think it was good that I wouldn't have hired me because I wasn't supposed to work there. Right. So. Even worse is when you get a cover letter and they've changed the... The company you work for is somebody else's company. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I thought I things are coming here. Yeah, so yes. terrible. Okay, so you say rejected. Rejected, but I sympathy, but rejected. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Attention to detail is important. One typo is fine. Multiple typos is challenging. <laughs> I would say probably rejected unless they're applying for something that like their skill is just so far right. away from needing to have a resume, like a sculpture. <laughs> I don't care if they have typos. I understand that. I say, so you say connected? You say rejected. Uh, probably rejected. Rejected. I don't hire many sculptures. Rejected. Rejected. I say rejected too. I really, I feel like. There's a lot of support for you in getting tighter. There's like the squiggly line, like yeah. yeah. Microsoft Word. You just don't care that much. Right. That's just not a good vibe. Agree. Agree. Okay. Next. They share a lot of negative feedback about their current company as a part of why they are looking for a new job. Sandy. It makes me skeptical and probably will cause me to look closer and then maybe reject. And this is a dating thing. It's like the person who goes and talks shit about their ex, and it's like, well, if all your exes are so bad, maybe you are so bad. Like, <laughs> it just doesn't, it just doesn't reflect great to yeah. be like talking shit about your past employer. Because like, then they're gonna do that to you. Yeah, and then like, there, there's ways to classically talk about what you did like about your past job that don't involve all of this. Yeah. It entirely depends on how they do it. The, the way in which it said it. it was like, this wasn't the right place for me because, you know, you have to spin it in a positive way. If it seems like you're just being like, you're talking, you're unprofessionally talking shit, then it's, you're professional shit talking. You're professional shit talking. You're being professionally rejected. Rejected. <laughs> rejected. I think you guys covered yeah. my, all my thoughts on that. Um, Agreed. Rejected. Same as you need to get the guy out of there. See yeah. he's talking. Okay, a candidate curses in an interview. Perfectly connected. <laughs> <laughs> betches, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Just, just yeah. call betches betches, not betches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> connected. 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 So I say connected. Yeah. 
In the right context, it could be a plus. Yes. Yes. It could be a plus. It could also be a negative, but like only if you're really Depends on the job. Yeah. We're not a chase. <laughs> Alright, when they tell you a salary range is okay in the interview process and then demand a much higher amount once they get an offer. I mean, I feel like there are now laws around like what you have to put into your job description, so that might just lead to those boundaries and guidelines. That is like I think an interesting example of that. Honestly, probably rejected unless they have surpassed the job description of that they applied for. In their interview, and it becomes clear that that makes sense as a hire. Yeah, basically well, the same. It just depends on like, what you talk about. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know, Georgia. What do you think? I think it. I mean, I would assume if your job description was accurate and that was the range, I would be a little turned off and then coming for something completely out of it and said a little bit more and they're acknowledging that you know that this is about the offer but like you you understand now you understand that these x responsibilities are also there and i think it would be okay if it was like a little bit outside but if it's wildly above it then you're just wasting everyone's time i just think there's so many other ways to negotiate i think maybe it's a high number because they want that money but also maybe you can say well there's there's professional development opportunities, and there's benefits packages, and there's all. I just think I think it sounds like poor negotiating. I think it's bad negotiating because it's also misleading to the HR team or the, the hiring manager because there's poor spending the time. Like if the budget fits, if your target salary fits the budget, like then we move on. We have an interview. We spend time, and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, no, I want a hundred thousand dollars more. Then you've just wasted so much time and resources to speak with you. So like that's I think that's a little bit unprofessional. But again, if, like Jordan said, it's like a little bit, and you have a reason for it. You know, then it's not it's it's continued to be connected. Maybe not hard. Kind of like I don't know predicts or like foretells what a person might do in the job, like in terms of like either overpromising or delivering or like. Asking for new things before you know company policy has set in, things like that, and then that just causes sort of like unnecessary focus away from working together to like do the job. Uh, that's interesting. I would think that it would mean every negotiation is going to be complicated. Yeah, but it's interesting that you think that it'll that it'll sort of bleed over into other parts of their work. Well, I just think it's like. Either like you're in agreement over what we agreed on and you like stick with it, and or you acknowledge that you really like went out the line, maybe. But if you like, if you're just sort of like acting like it's totally normal that you like went astray from this agreement, that to me is like, okay, well, do they mean what they say ever? Yeah, yeah. 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 all right, I'm with you on that. Um, that was a complicated one. All right, one more. This one I'm interested to hear what you have to say. They haven't held the same job for longer than six months. Like yeah, held, exactly. I mean, yeah. Are they freelance? Okay, let's let's take the most obvious held, one of the question. Like, like they left, or who, what were the circumstances of everything? Was analyzed. Yeah, I think it means that you belong in your company. Like, if you're in the kind of company yeah. that's not going to be okay with the, with people moving around, and six right. months is long. that's pretty fast. Pretty fast, and as an employer. Again, 
takes a lot to hire someone, and if somebody's just bouncing after six months, fine if it's not a fit, we're really fine, but if we're doing that all the time, I think that's a little bit of a red flag. You know, you don't really put your hand to give advice, you just keep, you know, you want keep, keep moving. But if it's a, you know, a pattern. <laughs> that's why. Yeah. Like, why did you, why do you only spend six months? Yeah. Does anybody have it like that anymore though? Is it just sort of like, I'm a consultant. Yeah. And I'm right, yeah. I've been consulting. That's it. It's spin. It's a spin. It's resume spin. That's it. If all of the companies are your own made-up companies, that's also I mean, I do think it is important to, depending on obviously what point you are in your career, have like at least a year in like one yeah. or more than one place. Not even because like it shows consistency or like any of those like sort of old school ways of thinking about it, but because I think for a person to adjust to a job, it takes probably about six months realistically, yeah. and then. If you're leaving after six months, you don't get to see your job develop, and like it, it's almost like a lack of, I don't say lack of commitment, because it's like not, if you get more opportunities, if you get more money, you should go, but it, it's like, were you ever interested in seeing something through past, like, that comedy, like, that point where you became, like, accommodated? I would be terrified to interview you. You are, right? you are like laser vision, right? Into somebody's soul. Oh no, I'm actually so bad because you can't. Like, it's really hard to ask um, the the good questions. It is. Um, I think you. I, I suspect that's not the case. I suspect you're very good at it. Okay, I have a few for taking on this question. No. <laughs> okay. Um, you ready? Audience, audience questions. questions. Yeah. Does this audience look like they took some, they make, they ask good questions? Yes, yes, they do. They are scary. I'm <laughs> intimidated by them. Okay. <laughs> the worst interview you ever sat through. <laughs> Somebody, like a month ago, pitched me two ideas that the company already had. They pitched a bunch of stuff to me. And I was like, oh my. I basically like ended it. I was like, I have no more questions. Do your research. Do yeah. your research. Do your research. Yeah. Ashley was there. Yeah. Yeah. What was the second idea? True story. <laughs> <laughs> it was something similar. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like all you want to do is get out of the room at that point if somebody asks you that, right? You want to, yeah. you want to say like, no, nothing. Thank you so much. Yeah, I have a dog. <laughs> you always pick up your dog. No, but I think dogs and pets are a safe, like fun fact for an interview. Um, I I feel like if someone asks that, they want to know like anything no. else that you want to know about the job. Oh no, I'm so talking about, about you and your skills. Yeah. <laughs> Can I learn more about the position? No. I have a dog. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about if, if the interviewer asks the first right. thing, is there anything right. else we should know about you? I'm sure I would have asked something like, um, where do you see this business in the next five years? Or I would more occasionally, if I can tell that someone is dissatisfied with an answer, I would go back and lean into that answer again. And that's like that's sometimes you just dig yourself Double bigger all the way. Double down on something painful. Yeah. Um I I always find it's interesting, we were talking about this in the green room about if you don't have a cover letter, you don't know exactly why someone really wants the job, like why it connects with them. I mean, can I tell a story about the best answer? Sorry, I just yes. catch me. When I was at 17 and I was hiring a beauty editor, 
we went through all the regular questions that you go through. And then I said, uh, I, I, think my, I must have said anything else I should know. And this beauty editor told me the story about how when she was a teenage girl in her bathroom in the suburbs, that she felt terrible. Her acne was bad. She didn't, she didn't know how to do her makeup. And that um, when she was thinking about her role, doing this role, she wanted to save other young women from that pain. And I really thought like that tenderness, that emotional connection that she had to the job, that is what I wanted to hear. That's a mission. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she believed in her mission. She believed in her mission. Um, okay, do we have time for one more? Time for one more. Okay, good. Um, favorite part and least favorite part of being your own boss? Let's do it. Let's do like a lightning round. Oh. What's your yeah, What's your favorite part? What's your least favorite part? Okay, favorite is that I just I don't like being told. So <laughs> yeah, it really relieves a lot of what I really a lot of daily frustration. <laughs> Yeah, making my own schedule is definitely the best part of it. I, that's it. A lot of, I get a lot of meetings put on my calendar. But again, that's why it's very important to block time. <laughs> um, the, yeah, that's part of it. And I think a big part of it is, especially at a company like ours, being able to start any sort of any sort of creative idea that you have. Like you have the you have the resources to make it a reality. Like, if you have an idea and it's really cool, and, you know, it's, I mean, we like to say that for anyone in the company, if they have a really good idea, they can do it, but especially with us, I mean, yeah. um, you have a lot of power where it what gets made and what doesn't, and I think that's a very cool part of it. All right, just have what's the worst part? Um, the worst part is that um, if you're never fully, fully off, like, there's always something um, happening and but the, the nice part about that on the flip side is that you care a lot so it's like you could yeah you could say I'm on Friday at whatever time I'm I'm done and I'm not looking at anything until Monday but it's your it's like our it's like our child so we're not going to do that because we care so but but sometimes it is kind of like wouldn't it be great to be able to turn it off for completely yeah. well I feel like now we are more able to do that as we like divided our roles more and we like come to sort of like trust that like someone yes. two other people have it and like yeah you know, you got it. the worst part is like knowing that you know we built this business but now there's you know a lot of 40 plus people that work with us and you know they're that's their job that's their livelihood like so there's a lot of responsibility there so like I'm saying it's a good thing because it's amazing that we get to provide that but it's also sometimes scary because that's a lot of people sort of relying on the business and the business that we own so it's a lot of responsibility and it's not the worst part but it's it's something that's always in the back of my mind oh totally I actually had a like a therapist tell me once because I was like I feel so stressed. I can't imagine having a kid and a kid to this. So I said that, and and she's like, "Well, you have a company," and she's like, "How many people employ your company?" And she's like, "Well, they're not like the kids, obviously, but they, but like you are ultimately responsible for yeah. all those people." And some stakes are high. Stakes are high. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's the, the challenge. But there's also like a very very great reward yeah. on the other side of that. Yeah. You work with. Them. Our team is amazing. Yes. Thank you guys. No, 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 no. Yes. Amazing. Well, thank you.
I learned so much from this conversation. I hope everybody here felt like they came away with some nuggets um, that they, that we end with this. If you ever find yourself being interviewed by Sandy over here, <laughs> okay, I'm really not caring, and I also have a really expressive face, so you can tell if, if I'm happy or not, and then adjust. It's <laughs> just thank you all. Thank you all for the thank you for the work you do. It's great. Thank you for everything as well. Check out and some good life. It's in the corner right there. At Betches is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales Pico. Be sure to follow at Betches on Instagram and send us your emails to podcast at betches.com. Betches.